But, um, you know, on, on Christmas morning, our kids expect gifts. They really do. Um, and, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing that they expect gifts. Um, they've, they have come to learn, you know, that the reason for, the, for Christmas is Jesus and, and, you know, God being born as, as Jesus and coming to earth. And they, that's the greatest gift. And, and we celebrate that great gift that God has given us by giving each other gifts. But they, they do love a good present. And, you know, it's not like they, they wake up and they wonder, am I going to get anything? You know, is, is there, are there going to be any presents for me this morning? But, and, and I know they've been expecting Christmas presents because late October, early November, the, the first Christmas list was made. And uh, all three sat down and made a Christmas list. And, and it only had three or four. Each one only had three or four gifts on their list. And I was, I was really proud of the humility my children were showing in, in only asking for three or four things. But it, it wasn't very long before the second iteration of the Christmas gifts came out. And those were far more um, exuberant in their expectations, shall we say. There were four post-its stuck together. And some, one of the lists went over 20 suggestions for mom and dad as to what we would be willing to accept for Christmas. But it was, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it, it really is a beautiful thing when, when kids expect things from their parents because it shows that they are secure in being able to ask. It shows that they are, are, are expecting things from mom and dad. It shows that they know that they are loved. It shows that they know that we are going to shower gifts on them. And it is something of the father's heart to shower gifts on his kids. If you want to bless me, bless my kids. It is the best thing that I can have. And I know for all the moms and dads here, yeah, that is truly one of the greatest gifts that you can give them is to bless their kids. And unfortunately, as we grow up, if we're honest, we all learn to kind of measure our expectations and we all learn to kind of just, you know, maybe lower our expectations of life, especially as you start to, you know, getting to the, the point in life where you're like after 40 and you're starting to like, are your arms long enough for your phone and to hold things that you need to read? Uh, and, and you, you know, you kind of like, am I where I wanted to be in life? Did I study the right thing? Did I pick the right career? And we kind of, we all have these great expectations, but you know, we, we sometimes, even like by well-meaning, loving people, they just, hey, you know, don't expect so much out of love. If you, if you lower your expectations, you're going to be much happier in the short term. It's really, it's going to save you a lot of pain and heartache. And, and to be quite frank, I just don't believe that. It might save you one or two moments of heartbreak and one or two moments of difficulty if you lower your expectations now. But in the long run, it is really going to not benefit you. It is going to end up at a, at a point in your life that you're going to be far more disappointed later on with less time to do something about it if you lower your expectations now. But you know what? As we come to the end of this year, and um, we've got kind of six days left in this year, what is your... What is your, I want to ask you a question, maybe, what are your expectations for the new year? You know, one of the things I've, I've not heard anybody say lately is, oh, I'm so sad 2021's coming to an end. <laughs> but what are you expecting for 2022? It's not going to be a second 2020, hopefully, but it's going to be a new a 2022. So what are you expecting for the new year? What is, what is on your heart for, what are you, what are you asking God for? What are you, what are you kind of waiting expectantly for God to do in your life? Or are you just floating on through into next year and just hoping there'll be less lockdowns and more business? But if you've got your Bibles with me, with you, or if you've got it on your phone or whatever, why don't you turn to the book of Matthew? Um, 
And if you're visiting and you're not used to church and you thought, man, I brought a book and now they want another book. Uh, Matthew is one of the books in the Bible. It's the first one in the New Testament. So kind of just after halfway, um, it's written, it's named after the person who wrote it. Um, and he, he wrote it. He kind of wrote down an account about Jesus and the life of Jesus, and it's called the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew's audience, Matthew was writing to very Jewish readers and listeners of his, of his gospel story. So a lot of his gospel contains a lot of very Jewish things in it, um, which we don't always get the nuance of, and we, we sometimes miss that. But we're going to read just a, just a few verses out of the story of Jesus. It is his birthday that we celebrate today. And, and I know, again, you know, he wasn't necessarily born on the 25th of December, 0000. Uh, you know, we know that, but this is the time we choose to celebrate his birth. And out of one uh, Matthew chapter 2, we're just going to read the first three verses out of Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read out of the NRV, so your, your translation might read a bit different, but it goes like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi or Magi or Maggie uh, or wise men. And as the song we sang, they called them We Three Kings. Um, we don't know that there were three. They, we don't know that they were kings, but we count them as three because of the gifts that were given. But the, Mag, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word leads and guides us. I thank you that your word is the authority in our lives, Father. I pray this morning that your word would settle in our hearts, that you would uh, expand our hearts to be able to take the truth of your word, God. Holy Spirit, come and apply what you want to apply to our lives and um, let it be your truth that we, we take away from this morning. Amen. Amen. So these magi, these wise men, traditionally what they were called, they were actually pagan astrologers, which means they weren't Jewish. They, were, um, they would have had a very different kind of probably a um, polytheistic, so many gods. Uh, and they were astrologers. So they would watch the stars and they would look to see what was happening with the planets and the stars and see what was going on. And we just know that they came from the east. So they were probably... Um, further across into almost to where we would call like sort of almost Pakistan now, maybe somewhere on, on that sort of way. And they come to Jerusalem. They come to King Herod, King of the Jews and all his wise men. And by the way, wise men and magi, that was like a profession. You could, you could study to become that. And each nation kind of had their things in the ancient Near East. And so it's kind of like what Daniel, if you've ever read the book of uh, Daniel, that's what he was taken away. And they were trained for three years to be wise men under Nebuchadnezzar. So it was a profession that people could do. It was something of a vocational profession, but you could learn how to interpret signs and things like that. So it, there, there was no real difference. They were kind of the, the, the high end scientists and wise men and political advisors. But what these magi do is they, they have seen something in their looking. They have been watching the stars. They have been seeing what's going on. And so they see an anomaly, whatever it was, in the heavens. And they then go to Herod in the, and they say, hey, listen, we've seen this thing. Your king has been born. Where is he? Expecting Herod to know about it. He's kind of going like, we've, we've seen something that's happening in your, play, your neck of the woods. We've come to see what's going on. Where is it? And Herod, and, and it says the whole of Jerusalem, was disturbed by this because they weren't watching for it. They weren't looking. They hadn't seen the star. It was, it was coming right to them, right to their back doorstep. 
but they hadn't seen it because they weren't looking for it. And it brings a great disturbance to all of Jerusalem. But anyway, these Magi, to, to rush ahead in the story, the Magi then go off and they go and they find Mary and Joseph. Um, they find out it should be in Bethlehem. So they go to Bethlehem and they, they find Mary and Joseph there. And there they come and they bring their gifts, gold, frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh. And they come and they bring these gifts to him. Thank you, Bev. I'm glad you got it. So they come and they, they bring... They bring their gifts to, to uh, Mary and Joseph and they present them to Jesus. And they find, they find there lying in a manger, they find this majesty in amongst the mundane. They find the holy in the hay. They find the, the, the wonderful savior of the world who entered through the womb of a teenage girl, unmarried. They find the divinity or the divine one amongst the dung of animals. It's the one who had been there at the very beginning of all things, the one who had created everything, the one who had been part of creation, who was from eternity past with the Father. The Word Himself was there lying in a manger. He existed in the throne room of heaven, was worshipped by angels, and was now arrived in the humblest of circumstances. The singing of the angels had been changed for the surprise of some shepherds who had been told about it. The riches of heaven exchanged for a few meager gifts from pagan astrologers. It truly is one of the most incredible events in history. And in fact, it's so incredible that we mark it as the middle, everything before that and everything after that. And I know modern science has changed it from BC and to AD to BCE and to CE. And we, we all know what it is. You can change the names, but we all know why you count it from there. But while Jesus arrives and these magi come and see him and present their gifts to him, the rest of the city carries on. The rest of the city is buzzing. It's busy. It's so busy, in fact, that there's nowhere. The Airbnbs are all full. It was like St. Lucia before lockdown in the holidays. There's nowhere to stay. Everybody's printing money and it's got accommodation. The locals are moving out of their houses to rent out their houses. That's how busy it is. The city is full. The merchants are printing money. They are selling things because... There's a census going on. People have been called to go back there to be counted so that the Romans can tax them properly. And all these people that are so busy are completely unaware that the Lord of heaven and earth has arrived in their, never mind in their country, but in their town. They are missing it. Not because of anything that they're doing wrong, but they were all just too busy to consider the possibility that there. Max Licardo puts it like this. He says, those who missed his majesty's arrival that night missed it. Not because of evil acts or malice. No, they missed it because they simply weren't looking. Little has changed in the last 2,000 years, hasn't it? So I want to ask you again to bring you back to that question. Are you looking for what God is going to do in your life? What are you expecting of God? What is your, can I say, dare say, Christmas list for 2022 look like? Is it meager and humble or is it like, hey, I'm just going to give you a list of options of things you can do, Lord. It is not wrong to expect much of God. Psalm 5 verse 3 puts it like this. It says, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. And I love that heart from a psalmist, a worshiper in the word. That's what he's doing. He's laying his request before God and then he waits expectantly. Don't wait cynically. Don't wait doubtingly. Don't wait like, yo, is it going to happen, isn't it? Wait expectantly for what God is going to do. And so 
just as we look at this, I've, I've got three questions. Why can we be expectant of God? What can we expect from God? And how are we to be expectant of God? So I'm just going to run through those quick, just so, as a practical way that we can look at this. So why can we be expectant of God? Why can we expect God to move in our lives? Why can we expect Him to act? Because we know from Scripture, from history, and if you've had any length of walk with God, that He fulfills His promises. What He says He's going to do, He's going to do. It may not be in your time or my time, but what He says He's going to do, He's going to do. And we know that He's a good Father. And we can be expectant from God because we know His character. We know who He is. And that is, that is the thing why kids will expect of their parents, because they know you. And they come to learn what to expect from you. If the list is long, praise you because you are generous to your kids and they expect many things from you. Luke chapter 7 verse 20 to 23 records a, a story where John the Baptist asked Jesus if he was the one that they were expecting. John came before Jesus and preached and said, Jesus is the Messiah, the Lamb of God, he's coming. And then John gets locked up in prison. And Jesus isn't kind of overthrowing the Roman Empire. John's now really feeling the pinch of being in prison. And he kind of sends his disciples to go and say, Hey, Jesus, are you actually the one that we were waiting for? Like, I'm not so sure anymore. It's not, it's not really working out how I saw it working out. Are you the one that we were waiting for? And Jesus' answer is to point John to what Jesus was doing. He said to John's disciples, Hey, go back to John and tell him what you see. The blind receive sight. Lepers are healed. The year of the Lord's favor has come, is what he says. The jubilee is here. And so we can be expectant from God because we can see him acting in our lives. But just like the rest of Bethlehem and Jerusalem and King Herod, we can also miss what God is doing when we are not looking for it. And so as we are expectant of God, are you looking for what God is doing in your life? Is it just circumstance? Is it just coincidence? Is it serendipity? Or do you see the hand of God at work in your lives? Are you like the Magi looking for what is happening? Are you watching for what God is doing? So what? So that's why we can expect from God, because we know His character, because He is a good Father. And then what can we expect from God? And I just got two things, but they are the best two things that you will ever receive from God. And the first one is His presence. Not with a T, with a C-E. Not T-S at the end, presence. So His his being with us. If we, if we only had creation, everything around us, and the Old Testament scriptures, we could surmise that God was very powerful and great and amazing, and He was God, but that He was very far off. And that's the beauty of what Christmas does, is Christmas brings God real close. Christmas and celebrating Jesus and celebrating the incarnation in God coming and choosing to be in a human form acknowledges that God is not a God who is far off. Our God is not a God who is far off. He is one who is close. One who has chosen to be so close and intimate that he, he chose to be a baby. God could have created him as a fully grown man. He could have made him 33 years old and instantly into ministry, but he didn't. He chose to make Jesus as a baby in a womb, nine months. Can you imagine? Born, grew up, had to be obedient to his mom and dad. We often have very low expectations of God. And unfortunately, sometimes our expectations are met. It's fine. And in Acts chapter 3, Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. He's risen to heaven. And the disciples, the apostles are now ministering. And 
Peter and John are on their way up to the temple to go and pray in the afternoon and they come upon a beggar who's just been carried there. So his friends have taken him there. This is all he can do. He's crippled. He can't work for a living, so he's got to beg. And they must have walked past him. That would have been his spot. He would have been regular there. And they, they, they go to him and Peter and John call the man and he looks at them and it says he looked at them expecting something, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter and John say, Peter says to me, he says, look, gold and silver I don't have, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the man's legs were completely restored. He gets up singing and dancing and praising, no physio, no biokineticist, nothing. He's immediately, legs are right, and he's good. You see, this man expected a few gold coins. He expected a bit of silver and gold. But what he got instead, what he got instead was, was an absolute restoration of who he was. An absolute restoration of who he should be. He didn't just get something that was going to sustain him for a day or two. He got something that was going to change the destiny of his life. He got the presence of Jesus touching him right there in that moment. Sometimes I fear we expect too little from God. Psalm 23 verse 4 is one of the probably the most famous psalms in the Bible. It promises that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. We can know that even in the toughest of times that God is with us. And because of this, we can live in an abundance in spite of our circumstances, regardless of them. You see, God's presence comes into our lives and restores us to a right way of living. When we live in God's presence, we live as we were created to do in the beginning, in the garden, in the Adam of Eve. That is the beauty of what was that moment, is that they were with God, unhindered, nothing between them and God. Sin has separated us, but God has made a way for us to be with Him again through Jesus. We can know Him intimately and personally. He doesn't have to be a distant, far-off God who's kind of set things up like a watch and then has pulled out and is just waiting for the clock, the battery to run out before He comes back and makes it all new. He's a God who's present. So that's the first thing we can expect from God is His presence. The second thing we can expect from God is more. We can expect more from God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Paul writes and he says, Now to him, meaning to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To him be praise and glory. God can do more in your life than you think he can. God can give you more. God can be more in your life than you think he can. I want to challenge you to have great expectations in your life next year and going ahead from tomorrow onwards. From today onwards even. Never be afraid that you are expecting too much from God. I fear it's completely the opposite often with most of us. We expect far too little. We think we deserve only these little things. Friends, we are children of the king of the universe. He owns everything. It's all his. Make that list long. And I'm not one for really going to God with checklists and things like that. But let's be expectant. There is something in us that we can be expectant of God in our lives. So lastly, how are we to be expectant of God? As Psalm 5 verse 3, which I read in the morning, we lay our requests before Him. So whatever we have, we go and we put that before God. Our hearts align with Him. We spend time with Him. We get to know Him, His presence with us. We have Him walking with us. Even now we've got the Holy Spirit, God with us. And we walk with Him and we lay our requests before God. 
Lord, if it be your will, let me have this thing. Let this thing work. Let me, whatever it might be, lay your requests at him. It is the most freeing thing ever because it takes all the pressure off you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to work it up. Like kids with a Christmas list. We can lay our requests before him. So I have a, I have a pretty good idea what my kids were going to ask for on Christmas. I know my kids fairly well. I know kind of what they need. I know what's broken or what, they, what toys they are looking for or longing for, things. But it is so nice to have a Christmas list from my kids. It is still nice to have them say, hey, Dad, I want this thing. There were a couple of things on there that I was like, yo, Arsenal kit. You really want an Arsenal kit. Like, who supports Arsenal nowadays? The other one asked for a Man United kit and he's very loved. But I love to see their hearts. I love to see their hearts in their requests because what they ask for reveals something of their nature. It reveals something. Do they, do they understand soccer and support Man United? Or do they just love their granddad and support Arsenal? And, what it, and so it reveals something of their hearts when they ask. I'm joking. I'm making light of it. But it, it's, it's a very real thing. When we, those things that are on our hearts, those things that we ask for, that reveals so much of who we are. So much of what consumes us, so much of what we set up as the important things in our lives. So how are we to be expectant? The first thing is to put our request to Him, but we've got to know what God's promises are. If we're going to expect from God, we have to know what His promises are. So if you know what God has promised for you, it's easy to expect Him to give those things. And we can know what He's promised us through His Word. If we know that he does what he says, then we should know that what he has said he will do. And that leads us to faith. That leads us to a place of faith. When we can trust in the character of God, knowing that he gives what he promises, we can then live lives of faith. Because our faith is not in what I'm going to get. It's not in my request. It's not in how I ask. It's not in some magic incantation that I can say that will make God give me or do something. We can never force God. He's God and we are not. But we can know what he's promised and we can trust him for those things. And when we live by faith, Dave preached a sermon, Dave Phipson preached a sermon earlier in the year and he had a brilliant, a brilliant little one-liner for what faith is. He said, faith equals belief plus obedience. Lovely, simple, oversimplified, but beautiful, helpful to understand because sometimes faith is this weird ethereal thing that we don't really understand and we think it just means believing against what we see and not really understanding, but we'll just call it faith. Because I, but faith is actually belief plus obedience. And I love those two. It must go hand in hand. And so when we expect from God the way that we expect, this means, number one, we are sure of what the outcome is. That is the belief. We know we are certain of the outcome, not because of the circumstances, not because of anything going on around us, but because of the one who is in control of the circumstances. Our faith is in, in God and His nature. But our faith is also not just sitting back and waiting. Our faith is action or obedience. Our faith is working. It looks like something. If you say you have faith for me to be healed, then come and pray for me. If you say you have faith for God to save someone, then go and share the gospel with them. Go and share some good news with them. If you say you have faith for God to feed people, take them some food. Faith is belief plus obedience. William Carey, who is kind of credited as the father of the modern missions, really started in, in the Baptist church. He started the Baptist uh, what is the Baptist World Missions or the Baptist Missionary Society now? 
He said this. It was kind of his tagline and one of his most famous quotes. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And it is a beautiful quote because it is so well balanced. You see, we, we think we have to have the either or. We think we have to either just expect from God and sit and do nothing, or we have to attempt and, and we're going to do it and we're going to be the ones who make it. But it's not. It's a both and. It's expecting great things from God and attempting great things from God. So that is how we are to be expectant by faith. The second point. The third one is by watching. If we're expecting God to be working, we can be looking for what he is doing. And I think honestly, most, most of us, like the rest of the people in Bethlehem when Jesus arrived, are not really watching from God because, not because of anything wrong or malice or evil, we are just simply so busy. Even in a, in a time of lockdown, it's like you have to double the hustle to get half the revenue, half the work and keep your job. You've just got to take on two or three other people's jobs. Even though we're working from home and there isn't the commute, we still kind of feel like, man, it's all left up to us. We've got to work harder. We have the means to, maybe we're not looking for God to work in our lives because we have the means to accomplish what we need to do. I felt a strong rebuke in, in my, uh, from God two weeks ago. I had, uh, I'm not that old yet, but I'm getting there. But sometimes the body doesn't do what it used to do. And it doesn't recover quite as quick as what it used to. And I was, yeah, I've been like, trying to run and stay. You know, I know Christmas is coming, so I'm trying to lose before I gain and just trying to get ahead of it. But I was getting like a golfer's elbow and yeah, stiff knee was getting thick from. And I just I thought, yeah, I was going to take anti-inflammatories. It's easy. It's an easy solution. I've got them. They're in the cupboard. It's not nothing wrong with medicine. But I just felt a rebuke from God and saying, why are you first going to trust in that? How about you pray? How about you pray? Do you know that I have not had a sore knee in two weeks? Elbow we're still praying for, but the knee? But it's amazing. In that moment, it was just I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't looking for God to move in my life. I was just like, well, I can just solve it, so it's just far easier. Friends, if we're not looking, if we're not pursuing God in those moments, we're going to miss Him. Don't allow the cynicism of this world to steal your joy and your wonder and your expectations of a great and loving God. Keep trusting God. Keep expecting from God. Keep pursuing Him as you live your life. He can do far more, and He does far more than we expect each and every day of our lives. He is busy. He is working. So instead of lowering your expectations to simple material things, like God give me a new car or a new iPad or whatever it might be for Christmas. How about it's time, and perhaps it is for us, particularly South Africans, to start expecting God for truly great things. To start expecting Him for the things that have been promised over our communities and our towns and our nation for years and years. How about we expect God, we expect from God to bring about racial and ethnic reconciliation. How about we expect from God to start transcending those cultural and class boundaries. How about we expect from God to do truly great things in our nation? How about we expect from God to see a revival, to see, to see His Spirit break out and, and people, people's lives changed? That is far more than a few pennies of gold and silver. Let us expect great things from God. I don't want you to 
to get the wrong idea. God is not Santa Claus. Please hear me this morning. That's a whole different sermon altogether. He is not just going to meet your list. But it is good for us to expect things from our Father. But let us expect truly great things. And when we have those great expectations in our hearts, we need to be the ones who are fully prepared to attempt great things for God. We need to be the ones, when we expect that of God, to go and do those things. To be the ones who go and transcend cultural and racial boundaries. To be the ones who transcend class boundaries and invite people into our homes who could never afford to invite us into their home for a meal. We need to be the ones who not only expect much, but attempt mothers, who, lay, who attempt much, but att who lay down our lives for the sake of others. We need to be those who expect much from God and love our enemies because Christ first loved us. Who forgive much because we are aware of just how much we have been, have been forgiven. So as you go into the new year, may God bless you. And I pray that he would raise your expectations of what he is going to do in and through you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and his grace be towards you. May his mercy be on your lives. May you enjoy the rest of what's left of this year and enjoy your time with families today and keep your eyes open on what God is doing and look for moments for where he is working in your lives. Let's pray as we close. Father God, I thank you that you are generous beyond belief. I thank you that you are so giving that you gave your son for us. That you gave your son so that we could be with you. You gave your son so that not only could we be known by you, but we could know you. You gave us Jesus. Not only as an example, as a good teacher, as all of those things, but as our wonderful Savior. As the one who came and laid down his life for us. To pay a price I could never pay. To win a battle I was always going to lose. Father, I pray for each and every one of us here that we would live in that place of victory in your kingdom. That we would live as sons and daughters of the Most High King with hearts that expect great things from you, God. But with hands that are prepared to attempt great things for you, Lord. Holy Spirit, won't you come and lead us and guide us into what you want us to do. Let us not be tame. Let us not be shy in asking and it's waiting expectantly for you to move, God. We know that you are a good, good father. And we know that you are worthy of our praise and our worship and our love. And we give you these things each and every day, Lord. We pray this in the mighty, loving, gracious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.